I'm Creole. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we hair whipping, heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the whiteness. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. I just work with you. But just stop and then go one, two, three. Bottoms up. But I don't know. I'm still like it. And the people that must say, I don't know. No, I think, I think them like the struggle. <laughs> At this point, it's a part of our charm. Let's just call it that. <laughs> Kind of the same as I played in her ears, so. <laughs> yeah, man, so fun. You might want to let down me when I'm playing it. So <laughs> that me a blow, wow. Go on, I've seen no more than me. <laughs> I've seen no more than me. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> but that's a low line. I'm tired right now. I just come from the gym. I mash up. Arms are my worst days. Arms and chest. And today was arms and chest. Well, bitch, we weak. So how y'all hoes doing? I just want the people to know that we are recording an hour after we were scheduled because some people decided to go to the gym today. Mm. So, and then, oh, a difference. And you as man, so listen to me, I listen to me good. Whatever I'm going to do, my body is my business. What we got, oh. what my house will not do is judge how a single bitch live our lives. No, man, I judge my love. Man, I judge is just that we did for record at a certain time. I'm there. That's, uh, no judgment here because right now I'm going to one gym and get one personal trainer about my budget. You know, the body is willing this time. The body is willing, but the pocket is weak. So, <laughs> so wait, I don't know if you've already said, but in terms of gym related things, what's the social distancing rules facing situation? Well, can... oh, well, for a time, yeah. oh, yeah. For a time, um, we actually were allowed inside, inside, because there's like some, some outside football fields and stuff, so we had to be training there. After social distance, um, my trainer doesn't make me use the machines anymore, even though, you know, it's a standard. You clean up every time you use it. You spray something before you use it and spray it after you use it. But my trainer doesn't even allow me to do that anymore. He just We just use regular dumbbells and Work with our bodies more than um more than everything more than anything now, um and the minute he sees any type of crowd start starting to gather like more a couple more persons coming around us, he moves up to a different area of the gym where there is nobody. So he keeps the class limited to the four or five of us that generally come around that time in the evening. So he's very serious about it. Um, so yeah, that's what we doing. Okay, we're. Uh, how was your week, Karen? The week just that I just feel tired. I have a, a growing list of things to do, and like a part of me is grateful for the opportunity to be able to do these things. Like I get to do these things, right? But a part of me is just so tired. I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. I feel like I've taken on too much, and now I'm figuring, trying to figure out how to get rid of them. But in trying to get rid of them, it's creating more work and 
Yeah, so I'm in a weird space. And then it's fourth year. I'm still trying to write this dissertation proposal. I thought it would have been finished by September. And this is the end of September and it's not finished. Um, I won't say nowhere near close, but it is getting near. And I just, I really thought that I would have been able to defend it at some time in October so that we can just be the doctoral candidate and graduate next year. But it's looking real summerish for me. What about y'all? I mean, my body mash up and it takes me to spend no more. My body mash up and everything no more. The flags is flagging. That's right. I mean, I stayed up late last night. I um, shortlisted for interviews and stuff like that. So, yeah, today's been a. And then I woke up this morning thinking, oh, it's going to be, I'm, I'm in control of my day. I'm going to get up early and complete my shortlisting processes and I mean shortlist alone so I had to get responses from other people send out emails and stuff only to get a call that to remind me that I needed to be somewhere that I forgot that I needed to be so I had to hurry up and get ready and go there while sitting there completing all of that so yeah today has been a, a, a long day it has Cornell thank you Cornell <laughs> uh I mean, similar to Kareem, and I mean, I guess this applies to Benroy as well, but I'm also feeling very overwhelmed. I, I took on, I mean, I know I took on too much in terms of work for the school year, but I am a chronic warrior and grad school economic precarity is not fun and it feels particularly acute during a pandemic. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I am going to take on as much shit as I can find Girl. so that I am not... I mean, also part of it is because I moved, living expenses, my living expenses are higher now. And so it's just like, okay, how do I account for this? But we've had barely a month of school and I'm like, I can't... I don't know how I'm expected to do this for another mm-hmm. three months. And I had hoped that seeing a paycheck at the end of the month would have made me feel inspired in some way. And I was like, okay, that's cute. I can pay my rent and shit. But I'm like, damn, like I have to, this is only the beginning. And so that's been really demotivating. And I'm worried about not uh, meeting the expectations in terms of the people I'm supposed to report to. Like, what if I drop the ball? What if I'm not submitting things on time? So, I don't know, but I suppose this is, I was talking to my therapist the other day and, you know, I was like, I feel more like an adult than I ever have before in my life. But part of that also has to do with, I think it's a very Toronto thing for you to be stressed about, like, paying your rent, and like having money, I mean, maybe I mean, well, I guess it's a life thing, but it's like everyone is always complaining about the cost of living in Toronto and you know, being stressed up with work and stuff. So maybe it's not as uh, unique to the place as I might be making it out to be, but I mean, suffice to say, I'm tired. My internal struggle, my struggle is just that I'm over school. Like, I feel like, and I say this every day, I think I've been in school for far too long. Like, I'm talking from kindergarten, right? From basic school. 
right. up until now. I've only had literally a year, a complete year, and that's because I moved here and I decided to sit out a, a year before going to college so that I could qualify for all the grants and shit. And I think I'm just truly burnt out and I'm really just trying to push it because I feel like if I stop now, I'm not going to ever go back to it. So I'm really just trying to like push through this dissertation so that my, I'm going to just want to make some real money. My tired of little pitans what am I giving me as a grad student? I'm sick of it. And so, I don't know. I don't know. Anybody have a sugar daddy out there sending my way? Like one of them, even if I'm in inbox, but they know them one in a real. One a real, real one them. So, you want sugar daddy pantop of your man pantop? Listen to me. I'm not doing it for me. It's not for selfish reasons. I'm doing it for me and him. So if I'm happy, he's happy. If I'm rich, he's rich. So people, I'm not, I know I'm married, but please. <laughs> <laughs> not selfish in my pursuits. Oh gosh, Charm, I understand. But even for a little sugar daddy, but you know, you know my challenges. I have too much ambition. I'm always to that. Like, would I like a sugar daddy? Mm. But then, certain things you can't tell me if I do, I'm going to do it. And that is the problem. Let's try to get out of that mindset there. We need to start this day. Yeah, me think about it. Yeah, me try it. When I really know them something, but me will do it for you. I'm going to start learning to say them something when man, when man, when man would want to come around so that this little independent girl something can't take you so far and nowhere else. This is why I'm in a predicament. <laughs> right. You know where that fits you? You know where that fits you, dog, right? Like one of them dominatrix work there, like Electra. Remember Electra? One of them work there, forget. Since nobody can't tell you nothing, That's <laughs> just idea. not kill another man, then. That's the idea. <laughs> when you came a conversation at some point about like adulting generally and like money and like living, um, that sounds mm. super. Vague, but I was thinking recently that, like, even five years ago, uh, I'm trying to like think of a think of a useful threshold. So when I back back when I was making minimum wage, like a certain amount of money would have seemed like, oh my god, I'm balling, I'm out in the streets, I'm living that life. Now it's like, this is like it feels like nothing, like you know. The notion that, I don't know, I don't know if that seems un, un, ungrateful, but I feel like... More money, more problem, my love. I guess, and I don't know if it's like the ambition thing that Gunnar was saying, but perhaps in a, well, in a certain way, the further on one gets in their career, the, the threshold of like what constitutes enough also shifts. Yeah, good, but me not afraid for time. After I did reach a certain level in my life, I couldn't take public transportation. So they didn't You know, for example, I like shop a price mark, I'm like the box stop them. So that didn't gone up, right? I like to eat certain places, right? I mean, just like a long time, my mother's the way I got eat mothers. A long time, I'm juicing a sooner, and it's in a dark country. So I'm going to stop and get some early man and eat one juicing. Like, man, you know, come below a certain amount because once I reach a certain stage in your life, you can't do things like you did one time, do it, right? You can't live, can't live certain ways. So the little chupan, the little money come now, pay the other day come. Has it come again? Yeah. It's, it's even funny in terms of like food too, right? Like there are places that I frequented in high school that has not seen me since high school because I'm like, <laughs> mm, now we don't eat there anymore. But I was even thinking, sometimes I think about being, uh, you know, back in Jamaica and having to like, 
Okay, so Korean remembers this. Like, if we wanted to celebrate a special occasion or someone's birthday, we might, like, save especially to go to, like, TGIF back when it was, like, a whole situation. Mm-hmm. Like, we would save for weeks. Right. Um, so we could, like, pretend to be stunting, like, the upturn people. Well, the up- UPTs. Yeah, whereas, I mean, if I was a Jamaican, I don't think I'd be that... I mean, I don't know if TGI is still a big thing, but I was... TGI is still that a girl. I want me to go to my vex. That's where I never used to kill up myself for good TGI is still little. The TGI, really. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the bitch at the other table. And be like, look, on them TGI, 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 the place where you go, when you know, when everywhere, well, where you go, pound one week, when everywhere else, we ain't say, all right, we just want to look at you, all that, but you know, all right. But TGI is not that bad. And also, the thing with why it's a whole another conversation, but like restaurants and places in Kingston, they're as good as their newness. As soon as they become, they're no longer new. Then everybody has to rush to find the next meeting to spend their money. Um, TGI is no longer that place, but it's, like, it's still a cool spot, you know? And then them have a little Musgrave drink over there, say, if they drink it, I eat that feel that one time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to out here, I cry, I, I, I can miss. It and the L-Waste, man, opportunities, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> but yeah, before we get further off track, <laughs> um, what the topic for today? Okay, well, we'll bookmark that for another one because I do want to talk a little bit more about that. So today we're doing another—I don't want to call it fluff, but another little light conversation, just to you know think about this moment where we are in pop culture. I mean, our what fall TV has been delayed quite a bit, so we can kind of take the occasion to reflect on some of the characters or moments in uh, television, film, and so on that has resonated with us. So to be more specific, today we're going to be talking about uh, queer figures, characters that uh, resonated with us uh, as children, as adults, um, where we thought, you know, something felt right, but we couldn't identify what felt right in that character or in that moment. Um, we are not that the word reaffirm seems too serious, so I will put that on pause. I've asked this question. Y'all bitches watch P Valley? Sorry about that. I'm sorry about that. Y'all watching P Valley? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, home back, home back, I. Corner, <laughs> <laughs> to get into it. I know. Into it. It's on Amazon Prime. You could also, if you have On Demand, you can watch it on Stars, I think, on On Demand. And me can't tell you the bootleg podcast, girl. Me, me have the bootleg link off of the podcast if you need to watch it right, right, right now. I know where you can watch it. You don't catch me on the corner, bitch. <laughs> so, so what's the premise? All right. Ah. <laughs> oh, my God. P-Valley is this show that kind of interrogates the lives of strippers in a particular club um, in Mississippi. And so you, you kind of go through like the different experiences that women um, who are strippers kind of go through as they navigate their lives, as they try to make money. So there's one character who she's trying to make enough so that she can transition out of stripping. There's a next character that's dealing with um, like intimate partner violence at home and you know, there's this disparity between who she is at the strip club and who she is, or at least on the stage, versus um, who she is uh, when she's at home. And then there's 
another mysterious character. But the reason why I brought up P Valley, even though even though the strippers, um, and it's a it's a largely woman led show. I mean, it's mostly women who are on the creative team and stuff like that. But Two things. One, one of the executive producers is Patrick Ian Polk. And for the children who don't know, Patrick Ian Polk is one of, is one of the creative energies behind one of the most important shows for black queer people, Noah's Ark. And I can't help but clock that, you know, our representation behind the screen as well as in front of the screen oftentimes correlates. Usually when we're great behind the screen, it, it translates on the screen to people like Janet Mark and our lady J on pose, translate to pose being a great show for black trans people of color uh well trans people of color sorry but yeah i thought what thing eh? the 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 character on p valley is uncle clifford uncle clifford who is a gender uh, gender queer gender a gender queer gender non-conforming gender queer person um she uses she as her pronouns um but her presentation her name is uncle clifford and her presentation is it's, it's somewhere in between mask and femme and then she has this very interesting relationship with little murder and child but uncle clifford is a vibe because uncle clifford is low-key devious uncle clifford schemes because uncle clifford is a club owner and for me uncle clifford gives me representation down because because before uncle clifford all we had was noah and noah and wade was really the only black the only black queer relationship that i black gay relationship that we have as our example of a black gay man in other words a femme that gay man in the world, I'm just no one weird. And even though Uncle Clifford is not, does not identify as a gay man, Uncle Clifford's relationship with, with Lil Murder is the only other example I ever on that. Can you know me? I have this view, but I'm not get into right now, but I have a problem with how Hollywood only ever puts black people with white people to tell us, say, are, are people of other races to tell us, so we can only find happiness when we sacrifice our, when we sacrifice black love. I'm going to dare for that. So, let's see, Uncle Clifford Pound P Valley. Get my life is a shot eight episode. Some of them get some of them for season two. All y'all hoes have a duty to watch it. Everybody, all our listeners, when I have to watch P Valley representation. Corner, uh, just do a quick Google of Uncle Clifford. And oh, I'm doing it right of, now. Oh, I should I know better than this act for I'm doing it, but right um, now. and you kind of see what we're talking about because, yeah. honey, and I think the the act the actor who plays Uncle Clifford himself is also a queer man, right? I think he identifies as queer or gay. I think so. I'm not... Yes, it's Amiko Anand. Yes. Yeah. So before we get too far into this, I also want to say one of these days we'll talk about the fact that the majority of um, black, black queer men celebrities are, well, appear to be with almost exclusively white, white partners. We'll have that conversation one of these days, but that is not today. Uh, yeah, so I mean, where where do y'all want to start in terms of okay? So Gunnar gave us a more contemporary example, but how did we get here? What were some of the what were some of the things that spoke to you back in the day? I mean, he also mentioned Noah's Ark, right? Mm-hmm. I think what's corner corner? You put me onto Battle Life, and then you put me onto Noah's Ark. Maybe you know what? It, but also. Uh, made me something okay why am i rambling when gunner was talking about noah's ark it occurred to me that i am basically living a noah and wade situation that's girl. which is like very wild to me yeah girl so we, used to at, we used to sit on plan um commitment ceremonies and how i would have my commitment ceremony because back then marriage wasn't in our vocabulary 
Um, mm-hmm. But we saw a commitment ceremony on Noah's Ark and made a plan, man. But also, if we're being very honest, your circle of friends, I could, I could, I could label the Ark. Because, you know, um, Karen, you give me very Alex team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Tell us. Tell us more. Come on, give me Ricky team. Um, the Corey or Cornell could be Noah. Either of you, either of you really could be Noah. And who would be Chance? Oh, no, but Cornell could be Chance. Is that the professor one? Yes. Mm. Yes, you are very Chance. Yes, you are very Chance. Yeah. Okay. I think they. And to me, they're, they're black gay sex in the city. That's the, oh my gosh. I will, I will always love that show. Oh, Sex and the City too. For giving what it gave. And I will always love that show. Uh, and I will always hate the fact that it was cut short because I feel like we were robbed of something. Um, and even though we get, even though we've gotten other stories since we've never gotten a show like that, that not only centered our experiences, but talked about it. I thought in 2006, in such careful and thought-provoking ways, when they talked about transphobia, they talked about transphobia, they talked about bashing. They talked about um, just the struggles in our relationships. They talked about HIV, but they never did make it everything about our experiences. But no ads. Ah. Ah. All right, we're done. Ah. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah, you're, it's interesting that you... I mean, I guess the purpose of shows like that, so Noah's Ark, Sex in the City... There, it, it is set up in a way for people to be able to like identify similarities with their own circle of friends, I guess. Okay. Um, I, I, I still don't know the names properly with the Sex in the City cast, but I was I was told that I was either the the one with the red hair or the the stiff one with the kids. Um, the very like I, I don't know how to describe her. Is it Charlotte? Charlotte, I think. Yeah, Charlotte. Yeah. But I wanted to be Carrie Bradshaw. I, I mean everyone wanted, thinks they're Carrie Bradshaw. I never said I thought I was. I said I wanted to be her. Um people do think that they are. But mm-hmm. I wanted to be her because of the fashion sense and a very fabulous life. And I just I mean, she didn't have this like this larger than life personality, but her life was just like yes, and then she had all these gay friends and she was going to the gay weddings and so on. I was just like Oh my God, yes. Yes, I am Carrie and I'm going to find myself a Carrie. Carrie? Carrie's. Yeah. I accept that I'm the Samantha in many of my friendships, you know? So, Is that the, the... the very sex positive one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the very sex positive one. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so, but if I'll be honest, the Golden Girls Walk, so Sex and the City could run. Here, talk about it. Big up Blanche Devereaux, anyway, today. Big up Blanche Devereaux. Walk, so the girls could run. So, I don't know when I started watching The Golden Girls. I think it was probably when Nick at Night was a thing. Um, I think, yeah. I think it was when it... But, I mean, there was, it was really strange, because I, I love that show even to this day. And, I mean, I, I know that it's runs. like... Listen, it, it's... Okay, it's actually part of my going to bed routine for the past really? four years. So, I mean, okay. Tell me more. This, this routine is usually interrupted if I'm alone. But, 
<laughs> but basically, my whole thing through university was um, when I'm going to bed, I play an episode of The Golden Girls. When I'm waking up in the morning, I play an episode that was told by Ginger. I can, I think I can, don't ask why. Stop, stop looking at me like that. It's comforting. It's nostalgia. Leave me alone. But I can identify almost any episode of Golden Girls within like a few seconds of like seeing the the plot stuff. Like I'm Not a hardcore. So um, yeah. I mean, I think. Oh, but before I make that point, though, I think. Even as I was saying, even though these these characters aren't clear, I I wonder, and I don't want to make this unnecessarily academic, but I'm wondering if there's something about um, having a group of friends that strikes a nerve for like queer people who might not always, you know, that this idea that like, oh, you can just have a bunch of friends that you do all the things with all the time. Um, I'm wondering if that's a part of this idea of being a part of something and you have like an identified place within that I feel like a lot of those shows you know sisterhood I mean I, mean, I, I, I have a view that sister as, and I've said this before that sisterhood is stronger and purer than brotherhood because it's not burdened with some of the gendered limits of brotherhood I've said that before yeah. uh, and I think there's and I think a lot some queer men not all really do identify with it but also we get a lot of bitchiness from either Dorothy or Sophia, because it's either you're gonna be a sharp-witted one-liner kind of queen, or you're gonna be an even sharper-witted direct kind of queen. So they're gonna throw, you're gonna read her through shade. You're gonna have the little, you know, the ditzy friend in rose, and then um, there's always gonna be a hole in the group. At least one. At least one. Often more. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, I think. The irreverence of the characters. I think also what it is, it just coming to my head, that the irreverence of the characters resonates with people who our existence um, is irreverent. Um, and so you identify with these kind of big and bold and colorful characters who maybe some of them are the people that you either already are or would like to be. Like, how many... How many bitchy characters do we find out in real life that kind of give us the space to just enjoy the sass that some of us walk around with? Yeah, I, I think there, there's something in that. And I mean, I think this, I don't know if, well, I think this connects to your point about irreverence, but in terms of the kind of uh, verbal foreplay that queer folks engage in, that kind of like going back and forth, I guess like like reading each other basically, but like in a way that is generally loving, I think is also a part of that. I'm also thinking of cake. So I'm also, I should be embarrassed to say this, but I love Downton Abbey. So Lady Grantham is also like, Maggie Smith is very much my vibe on that show. Like the way she's just like, mm-hmm, you know, I can't do the accent. But uh, yeah, I think she's in the same league probably as a, as a Dorothy's Vornak, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've heard many people kind of reference her. Like, no, I, feel, I feel like all of the bitches daily and those men of us, Themsies are aunties. Themsies are aunties that prepared us for the world. I believe that. I believe that 110%. How about you, Kareem? I was just going to say my um, 
This sounds weird. Well, it's not weird. Fuck it. Um, but Ursula from Little Mermaid yes. did something for me. I liked Ursula because I was a particularly chunky kid growing up. And something about her, like, mannerisms and her sass kind of, I don't know, it read kind of, like, sexy to me, even though they painted her to be, like, the villain or she wasn't supposed to be attractive or um, considered beautiful. But I don't know, something about Ursula kind of made me the woman. (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I liked her. It's also interesting that Ursula was based off Divine and kind of how that kind of Loki spoke to many of the queer people. But I also feel like, all right, so Disney does have the trope of queerizing their villains in different ways. Um, and I think while it will subliminally send a negative message about, you know, queerness and its association with villainy, I think maybe for a lot of queer people, we was like, we'd have enjoyed anyway because I feel like we the villain spoke to us more. Like, let us be real. We low key there from Maleficent. I say, y'all ain't hoes ain't invited me to the party. Curse the baby to death. We low key <laughs> be like, give me her heart. Right. He ain't allowed to look cuter than me. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of these villains. Everybody knows the scar is a queen. Talk about it. <laughs> Jafar is a queen. Captain Hook is a queen. Let us be real. I don't kind of there for them, Loki, Baka, or have them vibes there. And I think the true test of whether or not you's like that bitch kind of gay is if you prefer Sharpie over what the other girl I don't remember her name. What's that? Gabriella. Gabriella. <laughs> Gabriel. I was Team Sharpie. Mm-hmm. Was that? I was not Team Sharpie. Not at the time, maybe, but you know. should be now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, to add to Glenroy's point, it, it's, it makes sense that Ursula would uh, resonate more with you. I mean, a number of people have spoken about, I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to make this unnecessarily academic, but there is something about the the queer drag aesthetic of all of, why is it so loud outside? Jesus. No, I think I did me. Mm-mm. I was just saying that there's something about the kind of queer drag aesthetic um, that it would make sense for that. It makes sense that it would resonate with, with people. There's kind of like outsider uh, vibe that's also extremely stylish and judgmental um, that I think is part of the, the, the queer experience in, in a way. For some reason, I'm even thinking about like, even now Squidward has become, from Spongebob, has become a bit of a, queer icon in a way that's like so unbothered but also oppressed by the nonsense that like the people are going mm-hmm. on um, I think there's a particularly like older queer person energy that goes on I was just that. about to say that that's the dynamic that I get like an older queer person mm-hmm. looking at the younger queer person aka Spongebob and it's like oh girl shut up yeah <laughs> Which is, I think, why all of us low-key prefer Squidward because Spongebob is at Like, these queens nowadays, that's the kind of vibe that Squidward gives off. <laughs> uh, I mean, so another example... Okay, I'm, I'm surprised you haven't gone to this yet, but one of the major series for me was uh, Will and Grace. And... Girl, oh my God, yes, Will and Grace. Yeah, and... Um, it was funny. Someone said 
recently that they think of they were, they were talking about this image of okay the general conversation was about the sanitize the sanitizing of like representation whatever cool and someone was suggesting that Jack was a I think it was just that Jack was like a femme no like femme like super femme and I was like mm, I don't know if Jack is femme per se Jack Jack is animated and excessive and flamboyant but I don't I don't know if I would read or frame Jack as being like a femme isn't that what they equate with femme though this flamboyance and this excess this exaggerating yeah you know you're gay but you're not too gay but I mean he was too gay on the show that was part of the comedic effect Um, right but I mean I guess it was uh, again a sanitized version of being gay, I guess. But I mean, I, I, mean I wasn't necessarily living for the male characters on that show anyways. It was more so um, Grace and what was the other, the, the mean one? That's Jack's like, she's Karen. Jack's best Karen. Karen like Walker. I was more so living for them. The original. <laughs> and I was for, right, right? Can I say that? I can say that, right? I've so. said that in professional spaces. Well, I never really watched that show, so I'm going to let y'all think. Oh, that's so awkward. Okay, did you watch Caress Folk at any point? It's like I'm just very honest. I probably never watched growing up. Um, I, I, I don't. I I didn't think I have had access to those at the time. And then I guess at this age, a lot of them don't speak to me. Um, and I'm not necessarily interested in the representation that they offer. Um, at this stage, for even for me to even go back and watch them, like I mean, as much as um. I love Karamo. I don't watch Queer Eye, for example, because I feel like... I was just about to ask if anybody watches Queer Eye. Karamo, sing Blagan for anybody who was hoping. No, no, I mean... His I partner was also a white man, just saying, hey. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I just feel like a lot of those shows... I mean, no. My issue with Queer Eye get it, I get the value of it. I just oftentimes feel like it, it gives me very gay accessories. And I don't watch. A sh- I don't want to watch a show that. I guess, even though I guess its its its, it's desire is to give, give representation, but it's packaged as here are your gay accessories to fit your life. Yeah, I'm not interested. Maybe that's not what the intent is, but that's the vibe I get. I don't watch it. And if I'm supposed to bring back like a cartoon element, um, or like to the earlier childhood element, we should. All raise a hand in gratitude and supplication for our good sister and the pop of girls, H I M. Oh, this with the boots of him. Yes, him. Come on, him. Boys, who's actually probably the most powerful villain on the pop of girls, um, who just sometimes just want to mess with them just because. But if you really access all our good sisters, she could have messed them up. And that's my love about him. Him just, him just never cared. He never cared, say. And then I just love the fact that his name was him. But then it was this devil in high heels walking around, giving their problems. It was everything. And a cinched waist. And a beat face. It was everything. And in my favorite episode, when I go back and watch it, it was the episode when the gang green gang was prank calling everybody and him call up the girls and said, we rolled up and we beat their asses. And they did roll up. And beat their asses. Trust me. He is an icon. So, 
I was here. Plus, it's a freak meltdown. It's scary, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to be talking about cartoons, where we should be giving credit is Sailor Moon. Because that was my jam. That that was very nice. to she. Right there, I mean, I was going to wait for Sailor Moon. I'm pouring them. Um, but the brushes I pour it just to be unfocused on Sailor Moon. First of all, because if you watch the Japanese version, they do say that um, there were way more queer characters that were ever showed in the US version. Like Neptune and Jupiter were in the things, okay. Oh, hmm? Neptune was not Jupiter, it was Uranus. Neptune and Uranus. Yes, Uranus. Yeah, man, they were in the Thank you. You're right, you're right. They're the Japanese version. But then also, um, for example, there were like some of the villains. So, for example, Joy Sight in the, I mean, if you're, you only get this if you're a Sailor Moon fan, but one of Beryl's nights then, in the Japanese version, Joy Sight was just a, is a man, but it's a femme man. But in the, in, in the Americanized version, they present Joy Sight as a woman because you know, the personality and the relationship with Malachite and all of them, something there. And then Fisheye in the fourth season is also a man. The Japanese version, but it's presented as a woman in that version. But critically, and this is the interesting thing, in season five, which never made it to an English version, there was there were three alien characters where in, in their alien bodies they were they were they had alien female bodies, but in their human bodies they were men. So their transformation went from men transforming into women, and Sailor Moon had a kind of developed a crush on a relationship between one of them. Um, even though they're, I guess, in their original alien form, it was a woman, but it never mattered to her. It was very fascinating. Like, this whole, they played around with gender in the Japanese version. Um, and, and, and did all of that queer iconography. It was everything. But then, the bad girl, they're in the miniskirt, they're around a pandog and a shoot for the Okay, I really don't remember it in that much detail, but it is, it is interesting to think about where queer representation um, was that then in terms of uh, children's animated series with the kind of response that people had to, and I mean, I think Genoa might be more familiar with this than Kareem, but the response to the ending of The Legend of Korra. Um, so it turns out the main character was queer, I suppose, yeah, I, I feel. I guess I feel more comfortable going with queer because I mean, you could say bi, but I mean, you know that I don't know if Bernard has a preference. But basically, people were like up in arms, and apparently the, the studio was like not really. People had concerns, and they were like pushed back because there was a whole question about like is this suitable content for children in the twenty first century, which is seems a bit backward considering what they were able to do before. Sorry, I challenge with it, even though some people will say that for an they had that there were signs that of the, about their relationship. May just feel like me never expect it. So like I mean, although I want to rewatch Cora, but you know, I'm not makeup. But I want to rewatch Cora to kind of watch some of these things and also just enjoy Cora because the bending in Cora is everything. Um but I just felt like the relationship kind of come out of nowhere. I I, I like the level I 
at, at which it was a maybe just me never did I read it right, but never at which it ended. Just like mm. I never felt the build up that I guess would have needed to be there. But I mean the other convers the other concerns about its appropriateness is quite interesting. But then if you think about that conversation then, um, which is not even that many years ago, to like all the shows that we have now, like Steven Universe, which is like the poster child for like queer representation, um, no. It's quite, I mean, I don't really watch Steven Universe, but I, I know about it and how it and, and the kind of queer relationships it presents. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite fascinating to see also, I guess, how far we've come back in a way. So, I might have said this on a, on a previous episode, but there is a moment where, like, all the TV shows started to have, like, a, I don't want to call it that, like a token gay character, but everyone, all of the shows made an effort to have a queer character of some sort. And so I'm wondering, do you think they of, weren't? Hmm? Nothing, or even if they weren't explicitly queer, they kind of played with gender in a sense. I'm thinking like Bugs Bunny, um, Jesse James from, well, I don't know how, if James was queer, but he definitely gave me queer vibes. Oh yeah, James and I mean, from also Ryan from High School. Pokemon. Jesse. Yeah. Oh, remember when I used to laugh like Jesse? That was funny. Um, no, but I'm saying there was a moment in the early 2000s where like all of the shows had like a like a started featuring queer characters more prominently, and I I guess I'm wondering, did any of those characters resonate? I mean, the two examples that are coming to mind for me, at least at this moment, would be. So I mean, there, there were a couple of characters on Glee, obviously, but you know, there's Modern Family. Come on, come on! So all about bring up Glee yet? Yeah, so Glee, Modern Family. I'm trying to think about what else was popular during that time. Uh, I can't think. Those are the only, those are the only two things that are popping up. But I mean, yeah, did any of those strike? Or, I mean, yeah, even Grey's Anatomy, granted, Grey's had a longer history, but there were a number of great, um, popular great uh, characters there. Uh, oh, oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> I just remember my character, but... Scandal's first episode was a gay man. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Big up, Kurt and Blaine, you with the yeah. horrid, horrid queer relationship. I guess a lot of us at that time needed in a mainstream show of that nature. But I really want also to pick up, I'm a big Desmond Wilson fan. But when the gay couple did move to this, um, to Wisteria Lane, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember them, they might not have been so bad about it. But the more sassy one, oh my gosh, my favorite, one of my favorite moments in the show was when I think somebody's house was burning. You know, it's not even house ever abandoned by Ristiel. I'm just a good run out. The child don't have ear like in that way. So he have any ear. He just have like a regular low cut. Run out with him and wrap up in the American bathroom with him, with him um, in fire extinguisher. Just run out that thing. I hear there's a fire. I'm like, yes, bitch. Own this like whenever he was in a scene, he owned it, and I think those the were the cute ways of kind of giving building up to where we were. So I mean, sometimes I do think even the tokenism of some of these characters 
did bring us to where we are right now, um, where we can have layered stories about queer people in their complexity. Granted, not uh, you know, for everybody else, but with all that say, that that the way in which those characters kind of just pave the way for more nuanced stories, more complicated stories. And they did have their moments. So even that couple that whose names I can't recall right now, even that couple had to struggle with, you know, the questions are, are they going to adapt as a couple? How do they integrate into a suburban American society that is quite conservative? If we're being quite honest, I mean, that I mean, when the black, when the black family did move into the, into the lane, it wasn't the best reception and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So like, Oh gosh, Gabriel Solis was that bitch. Oh my gosh. But yeah, not to get distracted. I think those characters that kind of came up around that time really did a lot to get us to where we are right now, where we can get the layers and the nuance in our queer characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also wanted to think about films too, right? So I remember when Brokeback Mountain came out, people were not having it. Not having it yeah. at all. Wow. Although, I mean... I don't stand them. <laughs> and the one I didn't go watch it. One of them line up that carried go watch it. <laughs> the dark scene, when the girls, although somebody didn't really point out, said they never have no business being up in the mountains, eating beans and having raw sex after. Now, girl. I mean, I don't, I wasn't really going to the theater then, so I don't know how people navigated that in terms of, like, trying to, like, sneakily watch it. Um, but, I mean, that was a, a very particular moment in time in terms of queer representation, despite the kind of pushback. Mm. One of the, the, the films that really resonated with me when I was younger was one called Prayers for a Bobby. It was only a Lifetime movie, but, oh like, God, that yes. got me in my fields. Like, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard it is... Yeah. yeah, it is... Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, particularly growing up, growing up in a context where, like, just Christian ideology was just, like, so much in your face, that did something for me. Even though, you know, I'm not white, I'm not living in a small town or whatever, but it did... It, it, meant something to me at the time. And there was a film that came out more recently about a gay conversion camp. Um, obviously, What's the name of that one? Um, Boy Erased. That was also really good. Okay. Uh, no, we have things like Love, Simon. And obviously, Moonlight was a huge, you know, cultural moment as well. For sure. And so... I mean... Yeah, how did you, how did you I guess... Oh my god, oh, there was also another movie based in the Caribbean called Children of God I came across on TV at some point in time that was, it was either based in the Bahamas or Barbados, I believe it was. Uh, what was the one that I watched on Netflix the other day? Let's see if I can remember. Wait, I mean, I have Cornel, some... Not Cornel, Glenra. I was about to say, Glenra does not look pleased about Moonlight. Well, no, so I say. I just think it's a real man's fantasy and that's why everybody was waiting about it. You think a what? It could be a man's fantasy, and that's what everybody was reading about. You think a deal of man's, is a deal man's fantasy? fantasy? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a deal man's fantasy, and that's what everybody's reading about. Okay, can you walk? Can you help walk me through that? I don't know. For me, it was cute for what it was. Visually, wow. cool. um, and 
it was an interesting story to tell, but I'm like, when I thought about it, um, I get also that that queer character doesn't get that kind of representation um, all the time. But, I mean, the story is nothing to write home about. Him finally find a little man where him did what I had done the things and him I had done the I feel like, okay, I am, I'm too, like, bothered to, like, properly express myself, but I think you're selling that film short. I mean, I, I mean, particularly with the, um, the younger versions of that character, I mean, even if, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that is not a fair assessment, but you are allowed to say things with your entire chest. Yeah. And you are more than welcome to have your own opinion, and that's okay. Defend your point, then. Tell me. So I got it. No, I really did get it. I got it. You know, he did struggle at different points within feelings. He did have the, the, the male character was very supportive and instrumental in life. You know, Imani mother did have this tortured relationship. They get all of that. But the way it was being celebrated, it was like, okay, this is it. So, I mean... I think I it's think- also in the context of the Black community, too. It's just like, you know, telling that story was I, I something. Get, I get the importance of, of the need to tell that kind of story. I'm not impressed. So, okay, but what I will give you is that the reception that it received would have for sure been different if it was a, like a... Or basically, yes. I, I accept that. I think there is a certain investment in a... There's a certain attraction, rather, in the kind of mask-built, um, doesn't use that many words kind of aesthetic I, I I get that but I still believe that to call it just a deal man fantasy is just that I said it's a deal man's fantasy and that is why it was received the way it was even though I acknowledge the beauty of the cinematography mm. the story was plain and the reason why all of us could gather around this as this massive black queer film that could get the award that it could get is because of the particular black gay man or the particular black manifestation of queerness that was presented there. For me, sorry. It's cute, but eh. Good child. Okay. Okay. Well, listeners, oh. you can tell Glenroy he's wrong on the people that I'm Twitter. Internet. <laughs> I know Glenroy and I bought them from nowhere, so. Right. You, you, you aren't afraid of no man, no girl, nowhere. No way, never. And not <laughs> when it comes down to the kind of queer representation they celebrated, it generally for last certain track. Yeah. Okay. Okay, fair. Did y'all watch that um that movie Boy? It's on Amazon Prime. I but it's apparently sure. about Oh Mitty Midi Music. Apparently about a Jamaican young man who somehow gets in contact with some white man from um, America and gets him to send him money and blah, blah, blah. But his family's... The typical Jamaican story. Um, But it just looked like... I don't know. For me, talk about problematic representation. I think for the issue I had with that, even though it is 
one of the realities of Jamaican young gay men, it just made it seem like the same like white savior complex and he's being beaten by his family and the guy couldn't establish contact with him. So he goes to Jamaica to go rescue him from his abusive uncle and he's sending money through Western Union ever so often and he's painting him as a as a scammer and all those things. I was just like, wow, who is telling this story? I mean, okay, so you, you remind me of something else. There is this film that I saw at, I believe it was the Caribbean. So they have this like Caribbean tales festival. I think it's what it's called every year in Toronto. Yeah, I know. And hmm? I know them. I know them. Okay. And they have like, they always have a queer night. I remember one year they had this film is, I just looked it up. It's called play the devil. It's set in Trinidad and it is... I think I've watched it. Oh, you've seen oh, it? it just came up on my phone, too. The one with the, I think it was the one about Carnival myself. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, it is quite the, the, the film. But one of the things that made me think of it, based on what Kareem said, there is this investment in portraying... And I don't know if I'm over-exaggerating, but there is a sense that... Uh, queer coming of age films that involve some kind of like predator behavior is a thing and it is a real thing but I am I don't know I'm also weary because I think it, it runs the risk of like saying like have, I don't know what am I trying to say it can have negative effects absolutely can Right, so Even listen to the description, set against the backdrop of Trinidad and Tobago's mystical carnival, a gifted and struggling young man becomes the object of intrigue for an older, well-meaning businessman until their words collide. They never did end up killing or something. Yeah. Spoiler oh. alert. There you go. Let me just... Because you see... I think this conversation might lead... I mean, we have just a little bit of time, but I think... As we talk about those, those, you know, characters that, you know, paved the way and time posted a battle, I want to shout out to all of the villains in the Power Rangers series from Astronomer to Vampira to Diva Talks. All of you girls, I, y- y- y'all was the blueprint for me right now. But that, now that I've said that, I am in the same way, and uh, by the way, another thing, y'all all need to watch Disclosure. I think, not only come, I assume, so I don't watch it. I'm watch it already. Right. Everybody else, y'all need to watch Disclosure and how them analyze the problematic representation of trans people in the media and so that way we can understand all of them something. As we said that now, you know what me would I like for see? Me would I like for see some queer representation that don't, one, don't use femme bodies as, as the woman in the fridge trope, right? My time to see videos of, uh, and, 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 and portrayals of femme people in relationships with heal people a lot of times. Um, and somewhere in that, the femme person is harmed, but we're supposed to feel sorry for the person who harmed the femme person at some point. I've seen that in a couple of movies and a couple of shows. I'm not really like feet, right? Because it's almost that like we never hold the deal people ever caught them because we're supposed to start for them because them deal. But I like to them something. Some I like to them. But I also still like to see two black gay men in some functional relationship. However, you make it up under the two of them, master two of them, them. It, Yeah, also, we can stop the heteronormative representation of queer couples. We'll see that more that are happening. 
more these days, but yeah, but I like to see some more of that. But I like to see, like, back to the Black Jay something. I like to see Black Jay, Black lesbian couples where they thrive and then fuck with it, right? Them look at something them would I like to see. All of them come out in the same way, but I the same old bully, 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 bully story in the coming out, some of them. Like, them important and the representants, so we feel like they're out of like cute nuances. Look, Simon did a cute little job of it, right? We're not for represent the challenges, but they're also, just like our as utopic romance um, romance movies where, where straight people can look and feel good about themselves. We need some utopic romance game movies so we can feel like love out before we end up vomiting, right? Like the representation, it can change. You know, I always have to start a conversation about the lives of queer people which struggle. We have enough story about the struggle already. It can add something else, Right? We can have a nice little quick comedy. But I like a nice little story with, with some, with, you know, one, one show with some queer, with, with some queer superheroes, right? And we have couple now, like, Val, like, like Valkyrie and them people. We have couple, like, but I like them something. Like a nice little Euro trip with queer people and them something. We, we, we can't be in a little regular something. Because we have regular lives and so, so we don't always need to hear one story. Oh, mother did eat with, oh, people did eat with, and I don't like them something. That's all me I say. Like the representation can diversify you now, and then can give with things where we can happy about and laugh about and kiki kibo. I tried to sit, watch um, them situation that I was at that point at which everything go go wrong. Yeah, and it can also be a story like that that still centers we as the main character them. So you can have uh, um, two male two male lead or two woman lead. I talk about queer people and them lives and them stop me. Right? What you know? Who do it good? Noah's art jump in the broom. And that's nice layered story about all our local challenges them. Probably them did have some of the tropes them in there. But that was 2006. So 14 years later now, which is that age. With 12 years later now, give a look a bit more. And that's Arma Astra. And that's Glenn Rice Rand. And now look, I'm going to take this and put it. How's <laughs> that soapbox over there, Glenn? Are you all right? Still good? My God, I'm tired of certain things. Especially the first one we said. I am personally tired of stories of femme gay men being our bodies being used as punching bags for Dalesman's tragic stories about how they get over them queers. Me tired of it. Personally, respectfully. Oh, oh my God. Speaking of that, that reminds me of Ilya Complex. We don't have time to talk about that anymore, but that is... Nobody really never talk about rent. I mean, or kinky boots, but I mean, one thing at a time. But yeah. Patrick anyway, Hall. We don't talk about her. I need, you know what catch me up because I don't understand why she cancelled what happened to her. Well, I don't care about her. They can't cancel her. Or she, or all, all them are. I mean, also, she's problematic. I knew like, she had run white people and the message and that's But I like Tatrick Al and the music and Tatrick Al give me fag. Tatrick Al give me woolly polyp or something so I feel like I feel like I'm going to be problematic sometimes but I'm not perfect. <laughs> you know what? Okay, okay, I'm going to tell you I'm going to hold my tongue. No, I'm I'm just gonna say that if if we all use that defense liberally, then we would be in varying degrees of trouble. With, but AKA, I mean, it's fine. that's why we don't have nice things, is what Cornell is saying. Yeah, <laughs> yours for the people got to go because you know. Well, hold up! Before we do, I think that there's a way in which we are. There's almost there's a way in which. When we talk about holding accountability and everything that's a problematic, certain people are held accountable more quickly. And it's usually black people. And it's usually black men. Yes. And I think 
in all of this conversation, we have to recognize the impetus of the gay community, predominantly led by white gays, who clap down on black, black men and black queer people much quicker when them settings were problematic than them is for everybody else, right? So that's why I mean, that's why I mean can acknowledge say, yeah, Patrick also some foolishness one more time. I mean I just say no. But at the end of the day, who give me music about my particular reality? So Not him. You should go listen to that guy that tagged when we're writing on Blood Clap Ready. So he's giving you. 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 He's giving yeah, I hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. Uh, please, I don't know, keep reaching out to us um, on our socials at Fish Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or if you want to email us at fishdpodcast at gmail.com, we would love to hear from you. Um, keeping in touch and doing all the things. Glennon looks very pleased with himself. But I mean, anyway, hope you all are. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. It's sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, y'all can. No, right. you know what the issue is. The girl, I'm worried. One percent over there before she gets for two minutes. I thought she'd be professional. But kind of as if I meet me at Church Street, more more ready. All right. Well, bye, y'all. I need to go prepare for the situation with me and Glenn. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Catch me outside, how about that? (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all.